This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. You know, we're all terminal, and that means that the only thing you can count on is this moment. That's the only thing that's real. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Hope and Resilience. Today is an amazing day for me. I have the privilege and honor of interviewing a true hero of mine. She is the mother of five an entrepreneur, an endurance athlete, like no other person I have ever met, and a philanthropist. And her name is Isabella Delahousse. Isabella, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm so happy to be here, Jody, and, and thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a riveting 30 minutes, and I'm going to start the way that I always do, I start with a question about your childhood. I have this belief that who we are is so powerful when we are children before people tell us who we should be. And, you know, we have dreams and beliefs. Were you the child that resonates with the adult you are today? I am, actually. And, you know, I thought a lot about words that would describe me as a child and words that would describe me as an adult. And it's pretty consistent. I was very determined as a child. My parents would say stubborn, but I would say determined (laughs) and always positive. And that's something that served me very well. And I don't know sort of where that came from. Maybe it's my parents, maybe it's growing up in a beautiful community in Louisiana, but that too has served me. And the other is sort of non-judgmental, which, you know, is very much helping me now, as I move into a period of my life where I'm not as capable as I was, and I have to not judge myself, you know, I was always sort of non-judgmental of other people, but now I find the work is in, in not holding myself to perfection standards and just allowing me to be me. Wow. We're going to get to that because that is truly powerful. Sometimes we are the most critical of ourselves. Anyone who listens to this podcast will applaud everything that you are, as you just mentioned, and that you've done and give you the time and space to be where you are right now. And that's okay too. So you just got back from Africa, (laughs) literally a couple of days ago. Please tell me what you did there. 
So we, we, we were installing solar panels on the white rhino sanctuary in Kenya. So there are two northern white rhinos left in the world. And there's a huge effort now trying to inseminate them. And, and they're two females and, and try to procreate so that there can be more white rhinos so they don't disappear as a species. And the rangers and the people, the veterinarians, the people that take care of these rhinos have never had electricity. And so we installed a solar uh, array at their station in Kenya. It was very exciting. It was just to see the joy of people that, you know, some of these panels provide fresh water as well. So it's just, they're doing such great work, environmental work. And um, it was just nice to be able to contribute. I think adventure has really been a key word in your existence, in your life, in your journey. That's just a great example. And to volunteer in the philanthropy of that excursion is wonderful. I can't wait to see pictures. And hopefully it was successful with the white runners. That would be amazing to hear that (laughs) you had your hand in that process. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Can't wait to hear about that. So adventure is the woven theme in your throughout your life. Angela Duckworth has talked about grit in her book. She says, enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. So let me repeat that. Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. And this podcast is Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Grit, and I and uh, resilience and hope. And grit is something that I really want to concentrate with you because you are the epitome of the definition of the word grit and resilience. So the other quote that I want to share, and then I'll get to my question, because this is by David Goggins, who again is another person who demonstrates in every aspect of his life, grit and resilience We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We rise to the level of our training. So with those quotes in mind, what is your approach to all of us who want to do these amazing things and adventures? What is your approach to accomplishing what many of us would say is impossible? So a few thoughts there, and I'll go back to sort of the being positive. So having a a yes mindset and embracing opportunity is the first step and sort of not being afraid to take on challenges. There's a great quote. I love you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. (laughs) That's where it starts. And I find it interesting for me, the word grit, grit connotates hard work. And as you use the word training, which is what I use for sort of half my life, I'll sort of break my life into two periods. So the first half where that is the way I thought about grit and success and, and endurance. And then there's this, there's a second half where I focus more on applying mindfulness tools to get to what in the yogi world we call effortless effort, which I find actually much more effective in terms of mm the long-term endurance and seeing things through. And the get to effortless effort, it first, you know, you, it's sort of taking, getting rid of all the, any negative thoughts, any fear, any anger, any 
thing that sort of holds you back, those emotions are like weights on you, you know, whether you're trying to run a race and, you know, that voice in your head is doubting your ability or saying, oh, you're tired. Oh, you're this being able to recognize those voices and push them back and continue to sort of say, I'm strong. I can do this. Uh, Two of the other thoughts that resonated when I was a child that apply here, you know, all things are possible for he who believes, which is a quote from the Bible. But, you know, if you believe you can and, and you can cut out any doubt and negativity, you can go that much further. And then there's that, you know, the little engine that could. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. But a lot of it is is being mindful of what your own uh, mind and the voices in your head are communicating to you and learning to turn any negativity into positive energy. And, and you can like double your, your energy towards your end goal just by getting rid of negativity. So that leads to the effortless effort. And that's been an incredibly useful tool in my life. The more difficult things got with children, with work, and then having lung cancer, the hard work and training can only get you so far. And then you really have to rely on the mental tools. And they say that we're, you know, when you think you're done, you still have 75% more left. I was going to refer to that quote. And of course, you know it. Yes. And it's real. And, and that stat. I feel like I'm, I'm living that every day. <laughs> but you have to believe in, in order to get there. So the first step is believing. And then the second step is, is the mindfulness of being able to, to let go of what's holding you back. And for most of us, that's fear or you know, negative emotions. The other word to use for non-judgmental is, is forgiving. And, and sometimes when you hang on to things that have bothered you, you know, again, it's just a weight. It holds you back. So learning to forgive, learning to forgive yourself, learning to accept where you are, all that actually enables you to go that much further. I really appreciate that. I, th- I think that you should be teaching this. You know, maybe one day you could have a course on on resilience and teach us because your wisdom needs to be shared beyond this realm and the people that interview you, but on a greater scale. I have shared that I'm a part of the Build Your Life resume that was founded by Jesse Itzler. And that platform is in building your resume, you're building your life based on experiences and memories, not on things. I've always felt that way. I will say yes anytime someone provides an option to try something new. I'm definitely that yes person. And I don't really take any value in objects and items. So you are the perfect example of this. Can you share some of the experiences that you've had that were mind-blowing outside of this latest trip and also some that you've encouraged your children to endure? So I'll start with the children because I've learned a lot raising children. <laughs> it's been five of them. Yes. And this, you know, I, either, I got pregnant with my first child and I think it was, is it Dr. Spock, the original, like how to raise your children? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he had children, by the way. Yeah. I'm not sure. We need to look that up. <laughs> well, I, I remember reading his books and one of the concepts that resonated 
was that, you know, you can't just tell a child they're strong and they're great. They have to do things that, that so that they can see for themselves that they're capable. And that's what builds confidence. And it's, it's sort of baby steps and you build one to the next. And that's how self-esteem is built. And so from the get-go with my children and it, for the same for myself, you try to challenge them and get them outside of their comfort zones. And that's how they build confidence. And they see that, okay, I took on this challenge. It didn't kill me. <laughs> I'm stronger. I can do this. And it just takes you, it leads you to the next and to the next. And it's been the same in my life. I've always, you know, since a child, sort of wanted to be the best me that I can be. And that means constantly growing. And to grow, you have to be uncomfortable. And unfortunately, in, in our world today, so much focuses on comfort and not putting people outside of their, that comfort zone. And I don't think it serves. I think to really be strong and, and to grow, you need to be uncomfortable sometimes. And learning to be okay with that space is what enables growth. Yeah, I absolutely, I'm 56, almost 56 years old. And I've said this, but I haven't always applied it. And it's the exact reason why I'm taking three-minute cold showers. <laughs> because I don't like to be cold. And I'm challenging myself. And it's so true that this world is constantly figuring out ways to be comfortable. Heated seats, heated steering wheels, fast food, you know, everything that can make us complacent, truly complacent. And there's something to be said about that. Yes, I'm a big believer <laughs> in, in branching out. And sometimes it's it's tricky when... A lot of people, when I talk to them about getting out of their comfort zones, they say, well, my parents don't, I don't want to make my parents uncomfortable or my husband. Everybody's got their own version of, of what their comfort zone is and what other people's comfort zone should be, you know, and it's really about finding your space and what's comfortable and not for you. And then, you know, it's not a competition with anybody else. It's not, it's your own, it's your own space and, and your, and your life and taking steps to grow. You know, a lot of the, I've done a lot of race running and swimming, biking, and people equate that with being competitive. I'm actually not competitive at all with other people. But again, it's that, you know, I want to keep challenging myself. And when I first started doing running races, you know, it started with, okay, I'll do a road race in town. And then it was, well, I'll do a trail race in the mountains, and then a trail race in the jungle, and then a self navigated trail race, and then a self supported hundred mile race. And you know, I just sort of kept raising the, the ante, if you will, and uh, just to sort of keep growing with it. Can you tell me a little bit about your hundred mile race? Yes, it's a great, well, I'll tell you about the hundred mile. I, I've done more than that as well. Like I'll, I'm going to start with the one I did that took actually 72 hours to complete. It was across the Sahara in Libya. And it was self-navigated and self-supported. So you're carrying a pack with your food and you have waypoints sort of trying to get through the desert and to the end. And so 72 hours, you know, you see the, the sun come up and the sun go down and, and you see your mood cycles and, you know, you sort of, you go through cycles where you think I can't do this and 
I just have to quit. And if you can just make it through, it's like making it through the night when the sun comes up again, it's a new day, it's a new dawn and, and new energy comes with that. And it's just sort of amazing to experience that cycle in a race and know that it's going to get better know that it your energy does ebb and flow and that's a natural ebb and flow and the sun comes up and you're you're revived you know and not to feel that when you're in that low spot that it means it's the end it's not it's just a part of the cycle is that you have perfected living in the moment i don't know about perfected i'm i'm working on it <laughs> It is the key, actually. It is the key. And, you know, when you're dealing with a a diagnosis like I have, this lung cancer, it's hard to not think about sort of that it's considered terminal or that what may come. I just had scans yesterday, so I don't know what's going to come, but I'm not going to spend a second of my time today worrying about it because today's a great day and I'll deal with it tomorrow. you know, we're all terminal. And that means that the only thing you can count on is this moment. That's the only thing that's real. And if you can just stay focused on it, it is a much easier space to find joy. in. you know, if you start looking ahead or behind, you can get caught up in anxiety or regret or sort of negative emotions that can keep you from finding joy. I think that that realization has served you well in all areas. You know, if you think about doing a hundred mile race or beyond a hundred miles, or you're running this race against cancer, all of these challenges that if you look at the whole picture, it's overwhelming. And to be able to be in the moment, appreciate where you are at that moment, appreciate the blessings of that moment and the challenges and stay there. It's definitely a lot healthier. I will just share a recent experience that got me to think more deeply about that being in the moment because I was in a space where that moment was just not bearable. It was so hard and painful. It was, I was very, very sick. And it made me think about what, you know, what is success here? <laughs> what What is my end goal? And there is a point, and particularly with people dealing with an illness, where it's not defeat to say, I'm up to accept hospice or to accept death or to accept, like I was very close to that. And the people around me were clinging to, oh, keep fighting, keep, but there is a, you know, I, there's a space that you can be in where it takes more courage to just accept the fact that death can be a a release and welcome and not something to be feared. And I feel like I, I got a, a sense of that in the past few months. And, you know, I am on the other side of it now, but it, I have a much deeper appreciation for people who have the courage to accept when they're in that space and, and accept it with grace. In my uh my experiences having had so many people pass away in my life and being a part of that process, I have the same respect. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's not always 
about encouraging the fight. It's about what is where that person is in that fight. And I respect people who continue to fight. And I also respect those who, who say this battle is going to be won on my terms. Mm-hmm. And both are what's best for that person. Exactly. And that's for each person to decide. And I think it's, you know, when I speak about this, it's more to the caretakers and the families, you know, as I spoke to my own family. Like, I appreciate you wanting <laughs> something for me, but at the end of the day, I have to, it, it is my choice. And at any rate, it's, I, it was an interesting sort of evolution of, of thinking and, and what place hope had in that. And hope is such a powerful tool and emotion, but sometimes it has to be tempered with acceptance, acceptance of where you are. That's the place where I think you can find peace. I absolutely agree. And thank you again for every word that you are sharing is just, um, every thought is just truly inspiring. And have you ever considered writing your story, writing a book, putting this into chapters? I have considered it and it is on my list of things to do. I just feel like I'm still living the chapters. (laughs) So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there'll be a, a time, you know, timing is everything. And when the right time comes, I will sit down and, and put it all down. But right now I'm really enjoying being able to continue to like live it and experience it. I, I have one suggestion for you on your computer or yeah, laptop, whatever, download a recording, audio recording app, and then just start talking into it. and. That way, when you're ready, if you're anything like me, my memory fails me many times. I'm trying to write my third book and I I tell people to do that and then I forget to do it myself. But I think that when the experiences happen and they're so fresh in our minds, it's great to have them recorded. And I, I have audio cassette and that's something that I do when I remember, because I know we all want to read this book. So... You mentioned cancer, lung cancer, stage four lung cancer. You were diagnosed in 2018. In 2018, yes. You know, you didn't take that diagnosis lightly, and you also didn't take that diagnosis sitting down. You just have continued to put yourself outside of that comfort zone, uh, challenge yourself, build life experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about lung cancer? I know all about ALS, but this is an area that I don't know much about. So I have never smoked and I'm young for having lung cancer. I was diagnosed when I was 54. And unfortunately, most lung cancers being diagnosed today are non-smoking younger people. And they don't quite know why that is. But because there aren't any a lot of signs of lung cancer before it hits stage four. People tend to be diagnosed quite late and it's uh, very, very hard to treat at that point. So, you know, when I was first diagnosed, they said, look, this, you know, it could be two months. You know, I was, I was pretty far gone and uh, I've been in, I'm on my fifth line of treatment and all of them have been clinical trials, which has been a journey in and of itself. Where are you doing the clinical trials? So I've been treated at at Sloan Kettering in New York. 
I love the idea that I can contribute to science and <laughs> hopefully continue to survive. But it's definitely yes. been a roller coaster. And I remember when I was first diagnosed, you know, you're initially it's like you're filled with this sadness and it just feels horrible. And and then you can ask yourself, well, you know, does sitting here crying help anything? And the answer is no. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, put that behind you. This is what it is. And and you move on. And I had in my tr- first treatment, it really worked well. And I was able to, you know, that I've been able to continue to make memories and be active is, it's a lot about my mental state, but it's a lot more about these drugs <laughs> that are helping, you know, these trials. And so when I'm in a treatment that works, that is wonderful. But I've had in five lines, I've had three that didn't work and two that did. So it's definitely been a roller coaster. And I find that each time I have, I'm on a, a high, I fall harder even than I did the first time because you sort of feel like you have a new lease on life and the drugs work. And then what happens in a non-smoker's lung cancer, it mutates very quickly. So once it figures out that the drugs are inhibiting it, it actually changes form and mutates around it. <laughs> so none of these drugs. Really? Yeah. It's, it's that smart? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's the problem with this kind of, of lung cancer. So it just keeps mutating. So for instance, the current treatment I'm on, I started in June. And the median time that it works is, I think it's three to seven months. So I've been on it four months. So when it stops, so I'm on treatment. I've been on treatment consistently since pretty much the day I was diagnosed. And you just stay on a treatment until the cancer progresses. Then you switch and try something else and you go. And the treatments itself can really, they're very hard. They wreak havoc on the body just as much as the cancer, yeah. correct? Yeah. My current one is a chemotherapy and it is a, it's a trial as well, but it's tough, <laughs> so, but I'm alive and it's working. So that's huge, right? That just brings me so much joy. I mean, you're alive and it's working. Yes. Yes. So that it's working, you know, I want to take every second that I can to make the most of every day. So getting out. And and that's where the staying in the moment comes and, you know, not thinking at all ahead about, well, when is it going to stop working or what am I going to do then? I mean, that's for, (laughs) that's for later. Today it's working. And you also went to Argentina after that diagnosis. Yes, I did. Yes. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. Before I was diagnosed, I had been doing some mountain climbing with my son who was climbing uh, the seven summits to raise awareness for LGBTQ suicide issues. And so I climbed some of the seven summits with him. And after I was diagnosed, I, and, and on a treatment that, that was working at the time, I really wanted to try to climb another mountain, <laughs> which when my doctors, when I said this, they just looked at me like I was crazy, but. And you know, that's <laughs> fair. fair. <laughs> crazy is what is keeping you going and passionate and determined, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so that, so my daughter and I set off to climb Aconcagua and, you know, Aconcagua has uh, not a high success rate for climbers and it's a long expedition and it's 
it's just really uncomfortable. It's not technical. It's just the temperatures can be negative 40, ridiculously high winds. It's a 21 day expedition. So when you, you know, when people set off and they start to get uncomfortable and they think, well, if I'm on day 10 and I have 11 more days of this, if I feel this bad now, I'm going to feel worse tomorrow. And that kind of thinking is what keeps people from moving on. But you're actually, the discomfort doesn't get worse. It's just, if you stay in the moment, it's only as uncomfortable as that moment, right? You just have to keep, can I take that next step? And if you can, you take it and you keep going. I mean, there may come a time when you're climbing a mountain or when you're doing a work project or what, where you can't take that next step, right? And recognizing that, you know, I use the expression, live to die another day. <laughs> you know, you don't, there's a point where, okay, maybe you won't summit and that's okay. But if you can take that step, you take it. And then it's just one step in front of the other. And, you know, I say to people that summiting that mountain, that was hard work and training, but for someone with stage four lung cancer, that's where the effortless effort came in. That was where the mind controlling the negativity and thoughts in the mind um, were infinitely more important than the, the training and the hard work. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. So I know you're a busy lady. We're going to wrap this up, but I have uh, just two more things to share. One is I have to ask you this question because people ask me, how do you best feel your body before endurance training? How do you best feel it? Feel your body. You know, what do you eat? <laughs> people, are, people will say, I'm going to go, go for a two and a half trail run and work my body so hard. What do I eat? <laughs> it's not a, a great question for me because when you're in a space and when you're taking the drugs I've taken, I don't think I've enjoyed eating in four years because the way the drugs affect your taste buds and currently this chemotherapy, it's sort of a constant state of nausea. So it takes so much effort to eat. So the idea that I can be like, it's a blessing. It is a gift to be able to choose what you put into your body and to make those healthy choices. And absolutely you're in a space like I'm in now, I just have to put what my what I can into my body. And it's not the healthy choices always that I would like to be making. It's what your body can tolerate. And that's one of those things where I have to sort of use that forgiveness and non-judgment. Because I spent my whole life eating so well and making good choices. And I find myself just, it's calories, it's calories and whatever I can get in. But so fueling, I guess what I would say to people is just to recognize that how special it is to have the choice because it really is, it's hard not to have that choice. I always say fuel, food can be fuel or poison, really um, make good choices. You didn't start running until you were 45. Is that, that true? Is true? That is true. I had knee surgery when I was in my twenties. And the doctor said, if you want to be walking when you're 40, in your 40s, then swim, give up running and just swim. And I did. I swim every day for the next 20 years. And I still do. Swimming is still my go-to. But I did start running again in my 40s and really loved it. And it was something that came easily to me. 
I was a natural runner and it was a beautiful, I took great joy in it. And it is something that I currently in my, with my health, I am not able to enjoy. And I found, (laughs) I found walking (laughs) and that's beautiful as well. It's not the same, but it's been a bit of a sad place to, to not be able to run, but I am doing the New York city marathon this weekend. It'll take me a while, (laughs) but had I known you were walking, I would have done it with you. Yep. I'm going to be walking it, but I do aspire to run again. (laughs) It's just not happening in this moment. And no doubt you will. And I want to get back to your self-compassion. I know that um, for someone who is so determined, who has that grit, I know that self-compassion can be hard. But I appreciate that you were aware of that. And I recommend that you continue to nurture that, whether it's through self-care or going to lectures about meditation or whatever it might be to nurture that because you deserve, your body deserves all the love it can get. And, you know, there's so many reasons to celebrate you and all that you've done and to just allow yourself to be. You know, you're all about gratitude and that's been a big part of my, my practice as well. And to embrace that practice, like it takes practice, right? And so making a gratitude list, but the other piece of that is making a forgiveness list and being forcing yourself to be conscious of what you might be hanging on to, whether it's being annoyed with your kids or your husband or someone at work and just letting that go, releasing it and, and taking that weight off of you. And, you know, the hardest part is forgiving yourself or, or whatever it may be, but getting into that practice of you know, either waking up every day and thinking, what are the three things I'm grateful for? What, you know, is there anybody in my life, including myself, that I need to forgive today? They're just, it's a beautiful practice. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it makes it that much easier to then find joy in that moment and in that day. It's something that I really haven't thought as much of compared to gratitude. So I appreciate that guidance and I'm going to to try that and, and see where that brings me because it's it's so true. We always concentrate on positivity and gratitude and sometimes forgiveness is, or many times it's equally powerful. When I've been trying to work with my children in terms of their own negative emotions and you know, when anger comes up and uh, my son gave this quote back to me, <laughs> which I, I love the visual, but you know, he, he was my teacher here. He says, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> and I just, wow, I, I love that quote. But anyway, sometimes, you know, he learned the lessons. So. Anger can consume you. That's for sure. So thank you so very much for spending this time with us today, for being my mentor. You are beauty and grace and grit and all things good. How can our uh, listeners learn more about you? Anything that other than Googling you, do you have a website or anything they can refer to? There's a website called Bike Breathe Believe that will soon be converted to Be Breathe Believe. And we post every day facts about being healthy and lung cancer facts. And it is very focused on lung cancer, but there's also mindfulness tools and 
it's on Instagram and Facebook. It's a little bit about me and just a lot about life. <laughs> so Perfect. Thank you so much, Isabella. I will check that out today and I appreciate this time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. This is WCN, the Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.